0: All right, I think we're ready. Oh. It seems to be working. It does. Start with the to... prayer. Yeah. yeah,
1: start with the prayer. Someone pray. Yes.
2: I'll, I'll pray. Yeah. In <laughs> the name of the Father, Father the, the Son, and the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Just ask our, our beautiful Mother. Hail Mary. Hail Full Mary. Of, grace, of grace, the Lord, the Lord is, with the is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And, and blessed is,
0: is the fruit of thy womb, womb Jesus. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God. God. Pray for, for us sinners now, now and at the hour, hour of our God. death. Amen. Thanks for saving us already. I don't know what we do if you weren't here. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast that's recorded in front of a live studio audience. Well, not really. It's only us. But uh, actually, <laughs> I will admit in the early days, so Marty's doing the editing for the podcast at the moment. In the early days, I did the editing and there was one occasion, I can't remember what episode it was, where someone said something that was properly funny, but all three of us laughed silently. Well, I actually had the video <laughs> footage of that as well. We recorded that and there was this silent laughter. all these heads go back and there's no audio. So I, I'll admit now, I'll confess, I went through and I found a nice segment of Marty laughing hard. I copied that <laughs> and then inserted it with the joke. And uh, it made it, it gave some nice atmosphere to it.
0: That's how, you, yeah. um, that's how you make sure that you're funny, is by pasting in laughter afterwards.
3: <laughs> editor's, editor's trick. I'll try ah, that. Father, Father Dave, welcome back. Okay. Yeah, thank so, you. Thanks,
2: thanks Sam, and, and Dave, Father Dave. Yeah. And Marty,
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. Hey, we've got an extra voice here who we haven't introduced just yet. Hold your horses, Father Doug. Okay. No <laughs> we'll get an
1: official introduction soon.
3: Uh Father Dave, you've been away. Uh
1: yeah, I've I've been off on my annual 8-day silent retreat. Uh just got back Wednesday, two days ago. Yeah, I still still a bit fuzzy about what day it is because when you're in silence you don't really care about what day it is anymore.
3: And especially <laughs> when you go to where you went.
1: Yeah, so basic context. So I'm living in Darwin because of all the difficulty with traveling with borders um, and the Northern Territory doesn't really have any retreat centers. I went to Western Australia. I went to a place up in the Kimberley region. The Broome Diocese has got a, it's sort of a retreat center accommodation place, but it's pretty much in the desert. So I had eight days in this little town called Warman and uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It's like, like mountains and spin effects and forty-two degrees and oh, it was great. In the,
3: in the middle of the eight days, Marty mm-hmm. and I received one photograph. Father Dave had to turn his phone on to uh, to contact someone at one point and just sent us a photograph, which was extraordinary. It was from a cave looking out, but the cave was obviously on the side of a mountain, looking out across. A, can I call it wooded desert? As in it was arid. There was no grass, but there were some trees out there, but looking out from, from the side of the mountain, from the cave.
1: Yeah, so so this this area, it does get a bit of rain in the tropical wet season. But the rest of the year, it's just sticking hot. But yeah, so I I went out for this huge long walk and found this cave on the side of a mountain. And I thought, well, that's everything I've ever wanted to experience of the whole, you know, old Desert Fathers experience. So yeah, over a couple of days, I, I just... It was about an hour's walk. I'd just head out and just sit in this cave and have a Bible and pray. And, yeah, it was
3: wow. beautiful. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Much, much wildlife?
1: Um, there's there, – there is, but it, a lot of it, because it was so hot, it's all very hidden. So you'd just occasionally see a kangaroo um, – sorry, a dingo at one point. I'd, I'd constantly get scared by these birds because they'd be – like all the – any shade, as in,
3: as in, they were circling you.
1: Well, there, there there were a few large eagles circling at one point. I thought, you know, just look out for the ones carrying knives and forks. <laughs> there, there was all these like little sort of sparrow sort of things, but they're all hiding in the undergrowth because they're looking for anything cool. And as you're walking, suddenly you scare them, and you've got twenty birds just bursting out of the undergrowth, which is quite terrifying because you, you know, obviously mm. I was. Very alert for snakes and things like that. Did you see any? I saw a really tiny one, which I nearly stepped uh, on. Okay. But um, oh, actually, when I was driving, uh, it was like a three-meter brown snake. It took up like half the road.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, we do... We do... Sorry. I, I was just going to say, the,
1: the, the, the drive there was... You had to stay very alert because there was like mm. cattle and horses all on the highway. A wow. number of times I'd have to brake quickly because massive cow would just decide to walk in front of the car and you're just like oh hello can
3: can Mm -hmm. we all come and do a road trip silent retreat with you in the future
1: uh we could do a road trip together
3: i like to keep my silent (laughs) retreat silent that sounded like uh no i don't know i don't know
0: you guys seem to like this nature stuff more than me but anyway
3: uh, (laughs) Now we've got a very strong Western Australian theme here today because Father Dave's just come back from the Kimberley in Northern Western Australia. Marty is over in Western Australia, and we have a very special guest with us today in Western Australia, sitting next to Marty. Father Doug Harris, welcome Hello, to Sons of Thunder. Good,
2: yes, yes, yes and good morning and wonderful to be here. And, Thanks. Uh, cause I, be- cause I know you all, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a joy just to relax with you. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> And besides the word relax, <laughs> I haven't yeah. got there yet.
3: But. Uh, Father Dave, where does your relationship with Father Doug go back to? You've known each other for probably the longest.
1: Uh, I can't think when I first met Father Doug. Actually, 99, I met you at Kilmore okay. Summer School. Okay. Yes, uh, I've got a, a pretty okay. sure... Victorian. I, I think you, I've got this memory of you there. I, I, it may be a false memory, mm-hmm. but I I think that was where I might have first met you. Okay. You
3: could have been yeah. there. You may have bi-located. Sure. Who
1: knows? Yeah. But anyway, it's been a while.
3: That was back but when Father Dave was called Dave. Yes. And Father Doug was called Doug? Y- yes, yes, yes. Oh, when, right. Yes. yes, yes.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's,
3: uh, when, that's, when were you ordained, Father Doug?
2: Uh, to 2000.
3: Um, oh, so just... Yeah. fantastic marty would you mind please introducing father doug sitting next beside uh, beside you because you you actually live very close to each other and you do see each other weekly
0: yeah we do i mean we only we only drive past one or two churches to get to uh glendalow here where father doug is to to go to mass on sundays and and saturdays and and fridays when we can make it and Anyway, um, <laughs> um, were you yeah, there last no, night? I was here last night, yeah, at one AM for my adoration slot, one till two. Magnificent time! You uh, you generally get that time alone with Jesus, because uh, unlike the daytime slots where people people drop in, you, the, in, there's less of that going on in the wee hours. <laughs> but um, but enough about me. So. <laughs> So I think I think the best uh, introduction for Father Doug is is what we saw on there was a there was a Shalom World video that came out where they were profiling profiling priests and and Father Doug was introduced as the priest of the century. I'm pretty sure that wasn't his suggested title. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very shocked by that.
0: <laughs> no, what <one> else was? <laughs>
3: Yeah. It's quite a high accolade, and particularly yeah. when you look at at, yeah. Yeah. at yeah. Yeah. why it was said. Because, and this is obviously yeah. a little bit, probably a little bit uncomfortable for you, but yeah. Yeah. you know, Father Dave was a close second. We've heard, but uh, for yeah. Father yeah. Dave, Doug-
2: very much a first. Father <laughs> <away. Yeah. laughs>
3: it's it's, it's yeah. one that that was given to you from what I from what I saw because of humility so so how do you how do you reconcile having a title like that given to you when it 's really come about through through humility
2: maybe because i was ordained in the year t- t- the exact year two thousand that uh, that 's why I got the title i um, or that,
3: uh, <laughs> Be- very humble <laughs> circumstantial circumstantial i was first i was first there so that's unless,
2: a- unless it was a complete misprint or <laughs>
3: <laughs> you you have some something quite amazing happening in your church in Glendola, Father Doug,
4: yes.
3: being mm. perpetual adoration. Mm. Uh, would you mind explaining, please, for our, our, mm. our listeners exactly? Some people will be very well aware of what that is, but there'll be many who wouldn't. So you might need to explain both what perpetual and adoration are and what they are in combination. Yeah,
2: well, adoration. Adoration is when the the, the blessed sacrament um, our Lord is... Um, Present and perpetual adoration is when uh, people, well, people adoring, but people adoring uh, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, the people in the area and the parish and surrounding uh, parishes uh, agree to spend one one hour a week uh, with our Lord, uh, so that all the hours are covered. So, all all day and all night, uh, seven days a week, always.
0: 24/7.
4: Yeah.
3: Father Dave, this forms a, a significant part of your priestly ministry as an MGL, doesn't it? Adoration in the, there's a few times I've come to stay with you and I'll ask, you know, what's the schedule in the morning? And it, it always begins with adoration.
1: Yeah. We, we try and begin the day with an hour. of adoration. <laughs> Let me get my mouth working properly. We, we try and begin the day with an hour of adoration and, and try and get a second hour of prayer later in the day as well. And, in all of our parishes, we, we try and have adoration as much as we can. Um, we haven't succeeded in getting perpetual adoration in most of our places, but I think most of our churches would have at least 60 or 70 hours a week.
3: Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. By the way, it is, it is pretty cruel, Father Dave, to come off silent retreat into recording a podcast. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I'm still trying to get my mouth working. I, I enjoy not talking.
0: Well, I just think you've had enough time not talking so you can, you know, do a little bit of interaction. <laughs> Before going back, <laughs> but Father Doug, do you want to um? How did it come about years ago? How did how did how did the roster start? How did the how do you get to from not having perpetual adoration to having perpetual adoration where we are now, which is where I've come into this parish. I I think it's awesome. you know, I just signed up for an hour. You know, it's all working. Mm, yeah, it
2: was, uh, I was about 2002. I was in the cathedral. As an assistant priest, and a, a priest, Father Eugene McGrath at uh, St Anne's at Belmont a Parish in Perth, approached me and he said he would. Uh, um, he he um, I had spoken to him about perpetual adoration, and uh, so he said well, we'll try here. And so we, we spoke at uh, at that parish and also in neighbouring uh, two two neighbouring parishes, but we we hardly uh, inviting inviting the people to to commit themselves to one hour a week so that all the hours, day and night, would be covered. But we hardly got any any people for the night hours. But there was a, a man there, a single man, who was out of work at the time, and he said, well, he would cover all the night hours wow. for 40 days, he said, 40 days. And uh, he would personally ask people, um, or he, would, we, maybe just, just to pray. But he um, So he slept during the day in, in the presbytery with Father Eugene McGraw. And at night, he would spend the night in prayer.
3: I think Shalom needs to declare him the layperson of the century. <laughs> definitely,
2: definitely. Yeah. And as people would come in, he would ask them to make a commitment to a, um, an hour in, in the middle of the night. And on the 40th day, the, the last person, the last hour was covered. Yeah. Wow! All, all the hours were covered. Yeah. Wow! It's a, so, so God, God provided. God provided that that man. Um, and that's that's my my experience. Um, we, we started started here, St. Bernadette's at Gwenderloch. And uh, I was here for about two years. And I, I just said to the people, I would like to start perpetual adoration. I gave a homily at, at all the masses. At that, that stage, only 80 people were coming to Sunday Mass here, 8, eight zero. And so to, to ask them to, to have perpetual adoration when you need there's 168 hours in a week. Mm. But of the 80 people, 60 people signed up. Oh, wow. a few of those signed up for um, three hours a week. Uh, And then I spoke in two uh, local parishes, and we we got 60 people in each of those. And we got 180 people were able to start perpetual adoration. I was
3: over in Perth uh, a few weeks ago, Father Doug. Um, Yes. We we caught up a couple of times there, and and I said to you that Mm -hmm. it would be amazing to to start this in Tasmania, which we don't have. We've got a couple of parishes where there is adoration available, but few and far between. It it is challenging for me to hear you say that because I feel like we're in that position where it's, oh, they're just, we don't have the people. We don't, there isn't necessarily a great love of it. But something only a week ago here, there's a young fellow, Stefan, Who decided he was going to set up the six or seven hours of adoration on a Friday night and, and filled it really quickly. Uh, Mm. and so it, and actually, I know that one of our listeners, a shout out to Mm. Elle Mm. was one of the first to, to sign up for it and go along. And that was actually her first experience of adoration. I should wish, I should actually find out how she, she went and, and hopefully she has continued to, to participate and, and be a part of it. But for many people with, if you don't grow up with it, you don't, see it there is a hesitation as to exactly what we're doing i was introduced to it by marty's parents and i distinctly remember asking them what is it they explained to me what it was and then i replied with so what do you do hmm. and they said i'll just sit with god i said, yeah but so but what am i supposed to do you know is there a is there a is there a sheet of what you go through and they kept saying no no just just be there father doug to anyone who would be stepping in for the first time, do you have some simple advice of what to do? Because we are very used to getting from point A to point B. And even with prayers, this is what it is. This is when to do it. So what is adoration? What are we doing? And therefore, why is it important?
2: Yes, yeah, so certainly with the, um, with Marty's parents, yeah, just, just be there. Yeah. Can I ask uh, the question
3: why? Why is that important for us, just to be there? What is happening?
2: Yes, because he is active, our Lord is active. Our Lord is infinitely active and, and infinitely loving and infinitely desirous to, to give on the infinite level. So it's important to have that um, knowledge and that mindset.
0: Was it one of the St. Teresa's, that, that talked about, you know, if you're in the same way that if you're out in the sun, you know, you get sunburnt. If you're in the presence of the sun, you can't help but be affected by that by him yes
2: yes mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
0: right yeah, yeah yeah so there's no yeah. formula Sam you don't have to do anything you could just no I, mean, I
3: know that yeah.
0: now <laughs> 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 mind you having said that I I tend to yeah. like this yeah. person I mm. I tend to say a rosary and then I say divine mercy chaplet and then I've got about 20 minutes to go in my hour and these days I've been I've been reading Father Don Calloway's consecration to Saint Joseph. So that, that takes me through to my hour, or a little bit beyond, which is all really good. But sometimes I finish and I think I've, I've I've done all this stuff, and you know, but maybe maybe I've sort of missed out of some time of just being silent and listening and and gazing at at our Lord. But I'll finish the book soon and I'll be back to that
2: because there is yeah and and there's a lot to, that um, that we can do and a lot we can accomplish um i mean just to spend time in in praise or time just to uh, allow him to to love you yeah, just allow him to to satisfy his his love, allow him to heal you um allow him to to love others ask him to love others and, to, and people and to intercede for others people's people may come to mind um to, to bring healing to them, conversion to them?
3: Years ago, I read the, bi- the biography of St. Catherine of Siena. And within that, she was seeing visions of Jesus and, and she would pray, glory be to the Father and to you, Lord Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, well without end. So, it's the glory be. But there was a change in it, in that she's actually acknowledging Jesus' presence there. And after reading that, I started to take that into adoration, and that at least helped me to focus at the start uh, an acknowledgement of the presence of God there. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about adoration is that it, it challenges our understanding of prayer. That. Most people, when they're children, they're, they're taught to pray by asking for things and because that's very much how a child relates to a parent, you know, the parents are just there to give stuff.
3: You definitely don't listen to them.
1: No, that's right. <laughs> and you definitely don't spend time with them if they're boring. You want to go and do stuff elsewhere. But there's a, there's a maturing in relationship where you discover that just being with someone is more precious than anything they can give you. And I think there's something in adoration about that that, you know, if you go back to that previous episode we did on Eucharistic miracles where so many of these times where the Eucharist actually changed into flesh, it was the heart muscle. And so this is like Jesus saying this, this consecrated host, this actually is the heart of Jesus. And so you're spending time with the very heart of God, just being in the presence of the heart of God. And it challenges us to that mature place of relationship where you can just find joy in just being with him. It, it is good to go there and ask for things and to say prayers, but there's just something beautiful about knowing that you're loved.
0: So you, f- you guys familiar with the unity prayer from the flame of love rosary, which no. was this. Not at to, the to top of my head. No. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell it to you. Elizabeth Kindleman in Germany, some, I don't know, some years ago, decades ago, yeah. oh, a revelation from from Mary and Jesus, and part of it is this this unity prayer which goes, My adorable Jesus, may our hands gather may our feet journey together, may our hands gather in unity. may our um, souls be in harmony, may our thoughts be as one, may our ears listen to the silence together, May our glances profoundly penetrate each other, May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the eternal Father. And on first sort of reading of it, it seems like a strange combination of requests, but but I started praying it uh, daily, and sort of the more I the more I do, the more each one of these things becomes more and more profound. And especially that um, third last line, I think, where it says, "May our glances profoundly penetrate each other," which I still can't like. I I can understand why the Lord's glance would profoundly penetrate me but his desire for relationship with us is so much bigger that you know that in his humility that that he wants my glances to profoundly penetrate him as well even though why you know what would be the benefit of that kind of you know considering how imperfect I am and how perfect he is but that's but that's his view of relationship is Mm. is much much bigger than than the way we see the world. Anyway, I was just gonna tie that back to that's saturation to me. You sit in the pew and you look at him and he looks at you and how glances can profoundly penetrate
3: each other. It's a countercultural change. We think about change coming about through perhaps academic research or study. Uh, but this is which obviously that does, that does bring about change. But this is a, a very different change. A, a change of the heart. Mm. Mm. Uh, through what you just read, there, Marty, it got me thinking about the that specific change that you would see that we probably. Oh, I didn't as read fruit. it. Fruit. I remembered it poorly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, Father, Doug, what are the, what's the, mm. the the fruit that you've seen as a result? Now, one of the things that I'd say from an outsider going attending Mass with you over there in in Perth when I was over there is just how alive that parish is.
2: Yes. Um,
3: what other what are the other f- fruits have you seen as a result of of that commitment of people just spending time in adoration?
2: One is it lifts people to a to a level that our Lord wants us to be at, you know, more more of a, a level of, of of His kingdom rather than this kingdom. And of course, um, and the mass attendance, as I, as I said before, we had eighty people attending Sunday mass. Now we have. 200 to 250. Um, we've had to put on two extra
3: masses. It's quite amazing how many young people are there too. That, that it's, it's quite striking how many young people. Mm.
2: Yes, yeah. Vocations, although we haven't had any. Um, I mean, there's a lot of nibbles. But, uh, but it, um, when we started Perpetual Adoration at Mirabuka, or, or I, I didn't start it, but an American priest in 1988, and in the first year, seven men uh, went to um, the to seminary. One of those was uh, Brian Steele, and Father, Father Brian Steele. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And MGL.
3: So that's one of Father Dave's mm. brothers.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. identical.
3: And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you seen much fruit over the years as a result? Well, you, you may not necessarily be able to put it directly down to. Adoration, but you're starting to see, if I put it this way, the miraculous within the parish. Okay.
2: Yes. Just in, in general regarding um, adoration. Well, in, in, in Perth there was in, in Sacred Heart Highgate, there was a, a family who were praying for a relatives in England. The relative was in, in in a coma, and the doctors were saying they were going to they wanted to re, um, turn off the life support machine. And uh, this family here in Perth were praying for that that, uh, relative in England. And during their holy hour, they got a a call on their mobile phone saying that he had moved his finger. Hmm. And so uh, there was no longer any talks about turning off the life life support machine. Uh, Another at St. Anne's at Belmont, in the middle of the night, there was a man who just came in. He then explained he was on his way to commit suicide, but he saw the light on. So he went in, and, um, and he received enough um, peace, and uh, um, he had no no intention at all to commit suicide from well, at that that moment anyway.
4: Yeah.
2: Mm. I think this was at, also at Saint Anne's at Belmont. I think uh, a lady normally lights two or three candles, for different intentions, while she's doing her adoration. And on this occasion, she felt she had to write, light another candle. She had a sense that a lot of people were going to die that night and she had to light a a candle for them. And that night was the night of the Bali bombing. Oh, wow. In in the United States during World War II, um, there was a a parish that had perpetual adoration and all the the men from that parish that went to war, not one of them had been killed in the war after, after, after a year or two years. So another parish then decided to have perpetual adoration uh, and, um, and then from um, in that parish a number of men had already died in the war but from the time they started the perpetual adoration no, no men died they all, yeah, they all came back home Wow, yeah, um, mm.
3: Father Dave can I put you on the spot with something that it might be a simple question but it could be deeply theological so apologies in advance but and everyone else get excited is there a difference or what is the difference between Miraculous and providence.
1: Yes, <laughs> can I just give like a really simple answer to a complex question? <laughs>
3: um, could, could, can you understand where I'm coming from here? Where, yeah, and, and and is it just semantics? And look, it doesn't really matter. So move on.
1: How to answer? I, I think I think we'd say that the, the miraculous is where God is breaking normal laws of laws of nature to make something happen you know so like a miraculous healing or a miraculous event but yeah the the providence of god does come close to that you know where i think god does somehow intervene in ordinary affairs to make things happen you know like that those examples of men not dying in the war could just be coincidence but it could also be the hand of god making coincidences happen
4: mm
3: yeah
1: and I, and I think that's that's the mystery of prayer. it's like well how does god intervene in the world you know and, and why doesn't it happen all the time you know i think there's a whole spiritual realm that we can't see that if, if we did see it we'd understand why maybe some prayers are harder to answer than others you know maybe some people you know there there is more resistance spiritually to something happening or to someone changing you know i often try and encourage people when particularly parents, when they're praying for their children, you know, I I look at the example of someone like St. Monica praying for Augustine. The reason it took so long for Augustine to convert from all of her prayers, I think was because there was such a spiritual battle for his soul that at the point where he converts, he becomes so dangerous to the enemy's kingdom. They don't want him to convert. Mm. And I Mm. think we need to think of it that way to not lose heart that, you know, Maybe if your child is not converting and you're praying for 50 years, maybe it's because they're going to end up being an archbishop and the most influential theolo- theologian for the next 1,500 years. So keep <laughs> praying for them. You know? <laughs> Don't lose
0: heart. Size of the prize.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, there's, there's a bit of a reflection here. Uh, Father Doug, not really an easy journey for you to become a priest, was it? No, no, um, I'm sorry, a little bit of a detour, but yeah. um, in brief, can you give us a rundown of of the a, str- struggle, a miraculous,
2: miraculous journey? Hmm. Um, just just one um, incident. I was um, in a, in a house of formation for for, for men, just a house of discernment for men yeah, discerning a priesthood or, or religious life, and I had a, a spiritual director who didn't think I had a a vocation to, to be a priest, but but certainly um, to be to be a brother. But I, I felt it, was, it was strongly on my heart that the call was a priesthood. But and so, on, I was 29 years of age, and I said I said a prayer, Lord, if this desire is from you, or is it desire from me? And I, I asked that by the time I'm 33, Lord, which is um, your your age of that you passed away by the the time of my 33rd birthday. Lord, if I'm not given the green light to go in the seminary, then I'll I'll take it. I'll uh, I'll end this um, desire to be a priest. I'll I'll take it that uh, this desire is um, not yours. Also, it was a difficult time too because I I, I wanted to be a priest. People around me were entering the seminary and and I had this no. But at the age of 33, I was a um, a member of the youth youth mission team here, here in Perth. And uh, it just so happened they had a, 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 a annual uh, retreat. It was a had a, a silent retreat, a directed retreat, and and it ended on my thirty third birthday. Mm. Whether that was a coincidence or whether that was a, another miracle, <laughs> um, and, uh, and during this retreat, all I'm doing is thinking, "Lord, give me a sign to tell me that you want me to be, to be a priest." Um, I asked for a yellow rose, and the place we were staying at, Darden Up, it's full of roses, but I couldn't find a yellow rose. <laughs> so, anyway, I woke up on my thirty-third birthday, and I said, "Okay, Lord, now I know. Now I know this, this um, desire to be a priest is, is uh, not is uh, not yours. Um, now I know, Lord, that I'm, I'm not called to be a priest. I, I discovered that I all I wanted was God's will, and uh, and so I, I was quite happy to accept the fact that I wasn't." And in my mind, I wasn't called to be a priest. All I wanted was, was his will. And so I was completely at peace. I now knew what God's will was, and that was it. So but we, we got home that night, the youth mission team, we got home that night about 11 p.m., as I remember it. And there was, as I remember it, there was only one letter in the envelope, in, in, in the letterbox, and it was to me, it was from my spiritual director. And in the letter it said that uh, he had been burdened the last week or two. And he felt he had to release me from his discernment and that if I wanted to, I could uh, seek discernment from my vocation through another another spiritual director. So 11 p.m. at night, I, I didn't know how to take that. but, um,
0: um, but Just in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One sorry, hour to go of your birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah so that, but that's how it happened. Um, and then from then on in, people just, all the doors opened. and um,
3: yeah. so It was a, a journey of perseverance.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, and, and,
3: it and sounds amazing. like there was, a, there was always a strong desire there uh, for priesthood,
2: not, not always no, no, um, gr- growing up, very much wanted to be, be married uh, in my early twenties, going to mass every day. People would ask me if I'd thought about becoming a priest, and I had a standard answer no, I, I want to, <laughs> I, I know God <laughs> wants me to be married and have ten children.', I always just have 10 children. but I, I wanted a large family, so um, you got two hundred and fifty. yeah (laughs) yeah so but then uh, 1986 um november 1986 uh, uh, i was 26 27 and uh saint john paul ii came the first time that he came to to australia i was in sydney uh, randwick race course and uh, he was saying mass and just during that mass i had this desire to, to be single for the lord to give my life completely to him And it was a strong desire, it was exciting, and I said, Lord, please don't take this desire from me, and he never has. Mm. So So God can call anybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how about this, Mm. um, Mm. Father Dave? What what do you reckon about providence kind of idea as being God's action within the laws of nature and miracles being God's actions that, Break or stretch or, or or bend the laws of nature.
1: Yeah, that's a good definition.
3: Nailed it. <laughs> it it, it uh, that definition is bent horribly. In fact, broken a lot in everyday society. Things we term we we misuse the word miracle. I would. Mm. I I'm going to put that out there, and you can debate me if you want. But I feel that we we misuse it all the time. The number one place where I hear it mis, misused is during football games. It is uh, a miracle goal. No, it wasn't. It was very skillful.
0: (laughs) But in my experience, I think the biggest things that I've seen God do is change people's hearts. And by that definition, that's not a miracle, that's sort of providence because that sort of can, can happen physically, you know. But actually changing people's hearts and big changes in people, I think that's amazing and, and like you take the example of Augustine of Saint Augustine, the way the Lord does this, like it's impossible. It, it's impossible. But but it happens. And people who are like completely turned away from God and and and, and they turn around. I think that's miraculous, but it's probably providential. <laughs> Our, sorry, to, sorry,
3: sorry to confuse them by that. <laughs> I think I think though that we can. I think we are living increasingly in a society that dismisses miracles outright, and and that's even within the church, which I think we, it can easily explain away the miraculous, which becomes very awkward when Christianity is built on the mm. miraculous. Okay, before you get into that, I'll give you an
0: example of providence. <laughs> Right. Just, to, just to clear yeah. things up, I was, because um, I work independently sort of consulting, I had, a few years ago, I had no work for four or five months, like no income, and I was getting a bit towy at the end of this, and normally I'm praying through that time, you know, it's all pretty happy and, you know, joyful, et, et cetera, and then sort of got, it had been months, it had been like four plus months, and I sat down in my prayer time, I said, Lord, don't you think it's about time you got me another contract? I'm not I'm not saying we're quite like the widow in Elijah's time, you know, the last loaf of bread and and the last bit of oil and and once we eat this, you know, we're not going to have anything else, we're going to die, but we are going to have to dip into savings pretty soon if uh, you know, if you don't do your bit. And he said he said nothing. The next day, I got three phone calls from three different people that I'd worked with before all saying the same thing are you available you know i've got this piece of work we thought of you your name came up in conversation can you come and do it and i look at that you know it's maybe not miraculous but it's certainly providential and it's a you know is it coincidental sure it's coincidental that the day after i decide to get honest with god and say i need something i really need something and and then it turns up on my doorstep God says, "I know a guy.
3: I know three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's that comes back to my previous point. I feel like God says, "Yeah, yeah, more work. No worries. I have four in the morning. It's easy. Changing people's hearts that might take a bit longer, but stick at it because I can do that too." If mm. you
2: might just share just just one miracle uh, recently, it's pretty short. It's pretty convincing as a miracle. Um, there's a, a a young man. Um, the, the, will the family come here. And they have a young man who's finished school and he uh, suffers from depression. So he's just been sitting home for a, a year or so, just sitting at home. Can't, um, he has, has no motivation to seek work. His mother then decided to make a, a checklist of things uh, that, that she would pray for, for him to have work. Um, he likes cars. So Lord, give him a, a job where there's cars. and get, Give him a job that's only uh, two or three hours a day. And no more than that, because I don't think he can handle any more than that, and a number of other conditions where she shops, she went to visit a, um, a mechanic and asked him if he had any if he needed any uh, one to work for him and he said no i 've got an apprentice and, I'm, and uh, there's, there's no yeah, no need here um, A number of months later, this mechanic came out and he noticed this this lady doing her shopping he went up she went, he went up to her and said does your son still need work? Because I, I could um, do with someone, but the, the man apologises. the only thing is, I I only need someone to do two or three hours a day, <laughs> 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 exactly the the hours that this woman asked for. Um, anyway, he in our works there. He's very happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, another 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 little miracle. Um, this happened a few years ago. There's a, a family that moved in, into the parish, and they have um, two young children. They wanted them to uh, go to a a Catholic school. And uh, they were told it's way too late. It takes years to to get into this this school. And uh, so the the father, Alan, decided to do a novena, a novena to uh, St. Joseph. Joseph. Um, On the first day of the novena, the the school called them up and said, can you come in for an interview? On the fourth day of the novena, they got accepted. (laughs) On the ninth day of the novena, they both started
4: school.
1: Mm-hmm. So Sam, getting back to your question about why we don't believe in miracles, I think we're scared that God's actually going to turn up. Mm. <laughs> like, I I think we genuinely like living in a world where God is distant, and and maybe you know, or we just, God is a genie. Well, yeah, like well, we only want God to to you know give us stuff like in the mail. You know, keep your distance. You know, answer my prayers, but there is actually something really awkward when God turns up, and you're like, "Well, what do I do now? you know do I need to acknowledge you? do I need to change my life <laughs> yeah, so that's where I think people get really awkward now we, we we want to write it off as being a coincidence we don't want this idea of a God who really cares that much because think, that it
0: gives us it gives us certainty it gives us you know even even if life's crap you know i can i can I can understand the rules without yeah, that's, hmm. it, it gives us something that's actually not that valuable, but it makes us comfortable to deny
3: the miraculous. Well, there was, there was an, I can't remember who it was, but one of the more famous atheists of the last century who, in rebuking the miracles of Scripture, said, well, we know that they aren't true because miracles don't exist. Big call. Which, but but hang on, but think about this logically. He's saying it's not true because it's not true. Mm. It's mm. a circular argument.
0: How very unscientific of you.
3: And it's, well, but this is the problem though, is is that a miracle by definition goes beyond what you can actually yeah, account for. Account for. That is what it is. Now, can I ask Oh, I was going to say Father Doug and Father and Father Dave, but um, for Marty everyone, as well, let's just bust open everyone. You know, miracle what, extravaganza. What Come on. Is is there a particular miracle that you have seen or heard of that has actually challenged you? It wasn't one that just you. Did, you found yourself not initially celebrating, but actually wide-eyed, taking what has just happened.
1: I had an experience at a summer school some years back. So this is like a week-long retreat that many of us have been involved with and uh as part of this they often have like chance for people to pray with you you know so people might come up and they want they want prayer for healing or for something in their life and two people will just pray with them i was one of the people praying and uh a friend of mine came up and he said i would like you to pray for healing because i've got a problem with my throat and I'm a teacher and my, my voice is my work, you know, but for the last year I haven't been able to talk properly. And I kind of said, yeah, we'll pray. But I I was very aware that there was something in my heart which was like, look, nothing's going to happen. We'll just say a nice prayer. He'll feel peaceful and he'll walk away.
3: And St. Blaise walks up and says, hold my candle.
1: Well, I I <laughs> genuinely <laughs> felt... <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> maybe like, maybe it was the same place, but I genuinely felt like God. Like, like Jesus just slapped me in the back of the head. And you know, clear as anything, I feel like Jesus just say, Shut up and get out of the way. I'm gonna heal mm. this guy. And like I was genuinely taken aback by this. Like I, you know, almost feeling a bit winded, you know, just like drawing breath in and just like, okay. Like I'm now confessing my lack of belief and trying to pray as sincerely as possible. And for the next forty minutes, we prayed with this guy, and he was clearly physically going through something to the point where he, he actually ended up on all fours on the ground, coughing the stuff up onto the carpet. It was quite dramatic, but there was clearly stuff that was you know blocking his throat. But um, yeah, you know, as it was, like he by the end of it, he was saying, "Okay, my, my voice is clear," but he would also gone through this whole internal healing of how he'd used his voice for, for, for harming people. And he'd kind of gone through this whole deep repentance of where he had been speaking negatively about people. I'd also gone through this whole conversion experience as well through the process of, you know, my own lack of belief, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a huge wake up for me of, yeah, just get out of the way and let God do it.
0: Cause he is Lord of all, not Lord of most. Yes. But I think that's a great, that's an amazing example. And I think that's typical of what Jesus does. Just reading into that story Father day, this is a guy who's with a physical ailment uh, and, and and you know, comes and requests, you know, Lord, can you heal me of this thing that is, is bad? And Jesus' response is, yeah, and I'm going to heal you of even more than that because that, that might be the trigger that's brought you to me, but my healing's bigger than just the thing that you can see at the moment. And I want to give you more.
2: Mm, I can think of one. And I'm going to
0: convert the prayer teams at the same time. You go, Father all right. No, that's no, no,
2: no, good. Sorry, Marty. No, no. Just one, um, I was away in, in, in Indonesia for, for two and a half months promoting perpetual adoration. And I uh, got back about 2 a.m. in the morning and I was comp- really exhausted. And uh, and the key to the, the house was not where I... had um, had left it. I have a a hiding place and I wasn't there, 2 a.m. in the morning. But I decided to move the, there was a a side door in in the presbytery, so I had to to move the door handle. And then then all of a sudden, the door opens from the inside. There's a priest there um, who I didn't know was staying there in my house. (laughs) Um, And he just happened to get up at that time in the morning to go to the toilet. And he just happened to see the door move because the door was just where his bedroom is. I mean, I was prepared to to spend the night in, in the chapel, and and send mass in the morning at seven thirty. But just the, the what really awakened me was that that God would be that interested in in my yeah. my comfort, and that He would go to that length to make sure that I I didn't have to yeah, to go through all of that. It, that. That God is concerned even for, for small things. He's, mm. he's he's very very much committed. To us, and very much <laughs> concerned for us.
3: yeah mm. some, some of the, the listeners might remember an interview we did with Father Robert Fox over in Wyoming in the United States. Actually, he was in Colorado when we interviewed him. Uh, and before I met Father Fox, I was walking across Shirley Basin, which is 148 kilometers between two towns, uh, at I think it was roughly 2,000 meters above sea level in the middle of winter, and a really difficult crossing. But I had a craving. For peanut butter which is a really odd random insignificant little craving in the middle of wilderness thinking i haven't had peanut butter in at that point maybe 10 or 11 months i miss peanut butter and a car comes rumbling down through the wilderness pulls up alongside me and this guy i remember his name his name was gary gary said to me i passed you this morning and he said That guy will still be walking by the time I pass back through this afternoon. He said, I wanted to get you something when I was in the town, which is still about another 50, 60 kilometres from where I was at that point. And he said, I didn't know what you wanted, so I just bought you some Reese butter cups. I didn't even know what they were. I do now. Obviously, they're here in Australia. They weren't at the time, but they're chocolate cupcakes filled with peanut butter. So it was this (laughs) bizarre, insignificant little comfort in the middle of wilderness that Gary this Christian guy is providing for me in these really small little ways that uh, certainly wasn't anything, certainly in the realms of providence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He says,
0: um, you know, mm. got a craving for peanut butter, Lord. He says, yeah, I know a guy. Sit tight. <laughs> <laughs> He's
3: on it. So
0: Father Doug, tell us, saw- about, tell us about tell us about the guy. I remember you saying you were praying for people in Perth City and a guy's leg. Good human, Talk. Yeah, God yeah, God... yeah, yeah, taught...
2: yeah. yeah uh, a guy was in, in a wheelchair was in in the city, and oh, there was a, a group of us, and uh, and one of us asked, "Would you like some prayer?" So somehow, someone noticed that his leg was actually growing when we were praying for him, and both, both legs then became one leg was shorter than the other, and it became equal in length with the other. Uh, then he stood up. And he said there has been normally pain on the leg. He couldn't walk on the leg um, because of the pain. Also, I think the leg was, I don't know, it was broken. I'm not not sure. But he he found himself walking normally. He started jumping up and down. (laughs) There's no pain. I think I'm healed. So So it doesn't just happen
3: in the
0: Gospels. Mm.
3: I saw a film clip two days ago, filmed in Africa. And it was was just of, of that very thing, except that it was a woman's arm that was all withered half the size, half the size of her other arm. Mm. And I couldn't believe what I was watching. They're praying over, praying over. And she, she's moving her arm, like trying to move it. And it, you know, it starts to free up. And then you realize that she's moving it. I was starting to question, hang on, is that arm slightly longer now? By the time they finished praying, it's the exact same size and length as the other arm. They're all in hysterics, praising God. And I'm left going, "Hang, hang on, did I... Did I was that? Is that my initial reaction? Was was that fake? But that's exactly what had just happened, and and that's probably the one that I find the most challenging because it it is not physically possible. Mm. It's not one just of of providence. There's a, there's a real miracle happening in that moment. That must be quite phenomenal to to be there at the time, Father Doug. And
2: yeah. Yes. Yes. So those things really help 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 our faith. Yeah. Actually, I remember Romano, some of you would know Romano, member of Disciples of Jesus community. And, and uh, an avid fan uh,
3: of the Geelong Cats. Yeah, it's
2: so, yeah. <laughs> <Anyway, laughs> Won't go
3: there. <laughs> plenty, plenty of space <laughs> for healing.
2: Yeah. Romano had a. It was a time when he had a, a bad leg and he was on crutches. Um, I can't remember what the, the problem was with the leg. And he's walking through the city with crutches. And a, a man comes up to him and says, Excuse me, can I pray for your leg? And uh, Ramona's taken back. They said, okay, yeah, go for it, go for it. And after the prayer, the, the, the leg was well, completely healed. He's had no sense. So,
3: wow. Yeah. The first person I ever prayed for was uh, Marty. Do you remember Did, you rolling your break? ankle, Marty? <laughs>
4: um,
3: Marty and I decided to oh. drive really early in the morning. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. All the way to the Western Arthur's Range in Western Tasmania. Marty slept the whole way. It was still nighttime. Yeah, we got great. there We got there before dawn. We we then had ahead of us a, a full marathon, basically a marathon ahead of us to try and do in one day to get to the top of a mountain and back when, with the things we did when Lake we were young. Lake Oberon. Lake Oberon we were headed for in the Western Arthurs. And we ran after driving for two hours, after getting up at 4 a.m., we started running. We ran all of less than 200 metres and Marty trod on a tree route and nice. basically sprained his ankle and was down. And then after sitting there for quite a while, he looked at me and said, "Well, if you want to do this run, you better start praying now." <laughs> and that was the first time I'd ever actually prayed with someone. And you were up and running five minutes later. Yeah, it was, I, I do remember. It quite that. challenging in that moment. It was a very simple one, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think I actually found it more challenging actually praying out loud for someone. I'd never done that.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so maybe um yeah maybe the whole point of that of uh of of rolling my ankle was um to get you used to praying
3: out loud sam it's
0: not, my, not <laughs> I mean, my plan i've got this i've got, got
3: this i've got this got this image of us taking off running and uh jesus running alongside us and he's just turning to you and say sorry marty this there's purpose to this <laughs> and just giving you a push <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we did we that, ran on we ran on all day we ran another yeah, four hours did. or something and then realized that Our hopes, based on what our interpretation of the map meant, was actually going to take about four days instead of one. So, yeah, we didn't make it to Lake Oberon. But, yeah. yeah. It
3: was an amazing day.
0: Yeah. And then you drove all the way back and I slept again. You did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there anything that either of you would like to? to add before we wrap up
1: well i'm just going to bring it back to adoration that i think um we don't always see the fruit of our prayer you know i once again i, I often try and explain to people like you know often you, you you're in prayer like you're spending hours in adoration and you think well nothing's happening you know i'm not seeing any miracles but maybe when miracles are happening it's the fruit of other people's prayer mm. you know like it's when you get the sudden conversion out of nowhere who was praying for that person? Like maybe there was no one that they knew, but there was somebody on the other side of the world.
4: Mm.
1: Like we, in our parish in Canberra, where as I said, they they never managed to get it all night, every night, but you know, I think they do about 60 or 70 hours of adoration a week. There's at least two times I can think of where they just had people walk into mass off the street and just have these sudden conversions. And Both of those Mm. guys, the times I was actually there and I was actually able to talk to the person. Like like this one guy, he was talking about how he was sitting down at night, you know, with his beer, about to watch TV, and he felt like something pushing him out of his chair and he couldn't work out what it was. So he, he went outside, went for a walk, and it was like something pushing him through the suburb in a particular direction. And he ended up in front of the church just as the opening song was happening. And he hadn't been to church since he was like six years old. and he walked in and spent the whole mass on his knees crying and you look at that and you think okay well how many years worth of prayer has happened in that church and Mm. that's now the moment where it all you know (laughs) works on this guy's heart so there is something very much about that perseverance in prayer of like i I don't think we'll see the fruit of our prayer until we're dead and that's Mm. where god will like oh by the way you know let me introduce these people to you
0: (laughs) I don't know if you've ever read this. There's a testimony of Gloria Polo, a massive near-death experience. Anyway, I'll get right to the end. I might have spoken a bits about this before, but Jesus showed her in her near-death experience that there was a guy on the other side of the country in Colombia, a poor guy, who read about her story of dying in the paper and immediately kneeled down and prayed, said, Jesus, can you please save my, my sister, who didn't know. And and if you do, I'll go and do this pilgrimage to say thank you and, and this kind of thing. And Jesus said to her, because of that guy's prayers, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you back instead of what she deserved, which was not to be in heaven. <laughs> let's mm. put it that way. Mm. Uh, but because of this guy's prayers, I'm 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 gonna give you another chance. And she said to Jesus, "Tell me who he is, so I can go and thank him." And Jesus said to her, "I'm not gonna tell you who he is because I I will not." reduce his reward Mm. which when i read that just blew me away you know god jesus's care for her is you know outstanding and his care for him is also outstanding and the the prize the crown that he has for him he he wants to be as big as it possibly can be i just realized
3: we've lost father dave
0: he he went to take a phone call where he pointed at his phone
3: oh i missed that My head down okay well you can edit this little bit out
1: Maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well,
3: Maybe. Shall we
0: Shall we close in prayer? Well, unless anyone's got any last miracle stories, last call,
3: last call, hundreds, last hundreds, round, hundreds,
2: hundreds. Okay, yeah, I mean, you look at the lives of the saints. How many?
3: Actually, I, I was going to say that. Which yeah, could you yeah. could you recommend a particular saint to read up on?
2: Well, Saint Padre Pio. Yeah,
3: oh, yes. For miracles. yes. Yeah. The miracle man. Mm-hmm. Don Bosco. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Can go on and on.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saint Anthony Padua, the ha- the Hammer
0: of Heretics, <laughs> <laughs> favourite saint's title ever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll finish off with a miracle. Saint-, Saint Anthony Padua. I was in um visiting someone, and there was a lady there, and she was frantically searching in a um, handbag, and uh, she said she she couldn't find her a, a key to her house, or yeah, a key to her house. So we, we said, well, how about we just pray to St. Anthony? And, um, and the prayer that came from my mouth was, St. Anthony, you bring the key to, to her. Um, I forget her name. And, and she said, that's ridiculous. How can you bring it? And we, but she said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try. So she agreed to try. And then she started looking at the handbag again. I said, no, 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 we've said that prayer. St. Anthony's got to bring it to you. I'm not sure if I, I believed that, that was going to happen. But about five, ten minutes later, um, a, a lady came in. Came to the house, and uh, and she had on, on her a finger the the key key ring on a finger, and she said to this lady, "You, you left this at my place um, when you were here this morning. Hmm. Here, here it is, as if to say, you
0: know, Saint Anthony brought it to her." Yeah. So I think that's um, something yeah. worth mm. touching on. Is in in the context of you know Jesus says, "Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive." You know, do we really, do we believe that? Because because if we do, like, ask for ask for lots. Don't 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 stop with you know what you think you deserve or, or something, but but go big. Ask for the key
2: <laughs> to be brought to
3: you. Uh, Father Doug. Normally, we conclude a podcast with a prayer, and then Father Dave gives it a blessing to us and to our listeners. Um, Father Dave, are you okay if we hand the mantle over for today? Yeah, we've we'll got the thumbs up. Well, you can Father do the Dave. prayer then, Father da- Father Dave. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> we can do a, a big reversal. So, Father Dave, could you close us in prayer? And Father Doug, at the end, could you please give us a blessing?
1: Lord, we pray that you'd just give us the gift of faith. Give us a, the faith that you're present in the Blessed Sacrament, that we could just be with you and love you. Give us faith that you are wanting to answer our prayers, even as small and selfish as they are sometimes when we just want peanut butter. Well we pray that you would just <laughs> give us all that we need so that we can know how close and loving you are. Amen. Can the Lord be with you. With
2: and with your spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. 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 Our Lady, Queen of Peace. Pray for us. Pray for us. Yes.
3: St. Pio, St. Anthony, and St. Don Bosco. Pray for us. Pray for us.